And so our job as parents, I mean, we put limits on other things that they do, like screen time. We have bedtimes. We, you know, we're just helping them figure out these sort of well-being habits that are good for just our bodies in general. And part of that is to have limits on food because nobody else in the culture is giving them limits on food. It's kind of like the sex conversation. You know, there's no limits on sex in our culture. There's no limits on food. That is such a great- You can cut that out if you need to. No, girl, we are keeping that in. Welcome to Ask Alice, a podcast that explores the issues and challenges teenagers face on a daily basis. Hosted by Alice Chernock, a licensed professional counselor in Birmingham, Alabama. Ask Alice is part of the Rooted family of podcasts, which also includes the Rooted Conference podcast, the Rooted Parent podcast, the Rooted Youth Ministry podcast, and Thanos to Theos. Rooted is a ministry that is focused on advancing grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated youth ministry. To learn more, visit rootedministry.com. Here's your host, Alice Chernock. Good morning, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of Ask Alice. Y'all, I'm so excited for y'all to be here today. I don't know about y'all, but we finally survived Halloween. Halloween is come and it's gone. The candy has been distributed at our house. And now we are are headed into like full swing holiday season. Um, I I know y'all know that I work with a lot of eating disorders. And so what we call this season kind of half joking, we kind of half not is uh, the busy season because we go from Halloween to Thanksgiving to Christmas to New Year's, like ongoing of holiday party after party after party. And as we all know, typically the, the central focus of holiday parties is food, right? So I am super excited to introduce my guest to you today. We have Dr. Melissa Powell here. She is from the University of Tennessee in Chattanooga, and she is a registered dietitian. She's an assistant professor, and she is such a wealth of knowledge, um, not only just in a professional context, but y'all, she's a mom, and so she gets it. She has kids. She lives what we live. Um, and she also teaches just some really cool classes. Like I've, I've listening to her classes, I'm kind of super jealous and I'd love to come and sit in and um, take them without having to get a grade on them because I don't like school. So there's that. So Melissa, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's really good to be here. This is my first podcast. So I'm really excited. Yay! I'm so excited. I feel so honored. Well, and I want to just say, I want to give a shout out to the mocks. Go UTC mocks. I feel like um, the Tide and the Deeks get a lot of, um, you know, shout outs on other rooted podcasts. So I want to say go UTC mocks. There you go. I love it. Give the shout out. We're all about it. One big family. See, I have to live being in Alabama. I have to live with all of the rooted people who are giant bammers. (laughs) And this is what I have to deal with. When you go to the rooted conferences, I don't know if you if this has been your experience, but all they're like, roll Todd, roll Todd, roll. And I'm like, oh, so I get it. (laughs) Exactly. You give those shout outs and I will back you up. That's awesome. 
Well, thank you so much for coming in today. I really did want us just to kind of sit down and talk as we are approaching more of the holiday season and know that food is going to become a thing. How do we as parents help our kids sort of figure out and navigate what do we do with food? You know, uh, I mean, I think that we get so inundated with sweets and desserts and have another helping and have more scoops and haven't you had enough? And, you know, those kind of things that we really want to take a few minutes and just prepare ourselves for the rest of the holiday season. So can we just start by talking with what what I call, and I think what you do too, what we call this notion of mindfulness. Um, so let's talk about what does it mean to be a mindful eater? What is intuitive eating? That's another phrase that we kind of use. Can I just start there with you? Yeah, I think that's a great place to start this conversation. Um, and the great thing is mindfulness is even being taught in the schools right now. And so um, it will be a familiar term to kids, maybe even more than their parents. That's <laughs> um, but I think of mindful eating or intuitive eating as um, I've read a really good definition of it. It's an intention to feel better after the meal than before before you started the meal. And it's an attention to the food that you're planning to eat and to your body and how it feels before, during, and after you eat. Ooh, so you're really good. just slowing yeah. down enough to reflect. I love that. So when, um, when I, in the past, I've given different talks and I will hand out one Hershey kiss to everybody and see how fast you can either gobble it down or how long you can actually hold that Hershey kiss in your mouth and savor it because it's so cool, the difference. And like once you can have that sensation of just really enjoying what that's like and, and the taste and how how much more satisfying it is once you have that one Hershey kiss compared to a handful that you just got, 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 got. You know, so is that kind of what you're talking it's about? It's so true. Yes. And that Hershey kiss exercise is such a great one. I, again, I think my son did it in school a few years ago during COVID. And it's just a great way to, again, slow down and reflect on, you know, how is your mouth feeling while you're eating it? What did it smell like? How did the wrapper feel as you were taking it off? Just, you know, you're just thinking about the whole experience. Okay, so apply that mentality then to the holidays and how can we be a little bit more mindful with the things that we're eating during the holiday season? Sure. Yeah, I think the temptation is to take one of two extremes to say um, anything goes, it's the holidays, I've earned it, you know, um, I'm going to eat everything and anything I want. Or the other extreme is sort of the forbidden fruit extreme mm -hmm. of like, I don't deserve this. I did a really bad job last year, so I'm just not going to eat any this year. And and really a better way would be to be mindful and slow down and reflect as the holidays approach. What are those foods that have, you've grown up eating that have really meant a lot? Maybe it's something your mom or your grandmother made. 
Maybe it's something, you know, that pumpkin spice latte that you can only get during this time of the year. And think about those foods that you really do enjoy and then make room for those foods. Um, and it may be if you're trying to balance for health, it might mean not eating the store-bought cookies in the office <laughs> break room, you know, because you're yeah. saving up for that that food, that treat that you really do enjoy. Which I love that notion. I mean, I think that's something that we preach all the time is balance. You know, it's all about balance. And I mean, I've said it a million times that eating apples all day, every day, that's yeah. all you eat. That's not balance. You know, the apple itself may be a good thing, right? We may call that right. apple. But if you have apples all the time, that's not healthy, you know? And so I think it's, you're right, like bringing that perspective that you can have all of the stuff. You don't have to restrict on one thing or another thing, but it's just how you do it and how you approach it and choosing. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's not only not healthy, but it's not fun. And, and <sighs> the thing that I want people to learn more than anything from food is that it's just such a demonstration of God's extravagant love for his children, that there are so many different foods and flavors and textures and cultures mm -hmm. that prepare foods in so many ways. And it's just such a beautiful picture of all that God has created and given us and the way he's created us to taste foods and enjoy foods. And um, so, yes, Way more than apples. <laughs> Way more than apples. Exactly. And I think too, I think a lot of times we, especially in the holidays, tend to get disconnected, you know, and I, I say that in the broader sense of, I feel like we're disconnected from a lot of our needs, whether it's our rest, we are just exhausted. It, whether it's our thoughts, you know, we are just going nonstop. But I really do think that our feelings play into that and and definitely our food plays into that disconnection that we we tend to feel, especially during the holiday season, which to me is why it's so important for us to have some time to mindfully think through, okay, what are those things? Like what you're saying, what are those things that are special to me and why are they special? You know? Yeah, I think... Um... One dietitian that I read, she talked about the three S's of the holiday season hmm. being stress and social eating and schedule overload. And really, if you're a parent, then that's all year round. <laughs> I mean, the holidays certainly amp it up, but we're, you know, more often we're stressed. We have a busy schedule and we're going to birthday parties and soccer practices and we're eating yeah. in every area of our life now. Yeah. Um, and so I like to say, you know, part of mindfulness is in combating those three S's of the holidays um, is the three S's of self-care. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the research is showing that if we can um, sleep and get steps and find stillness, <laughs> so oh. that might be journaling or a hot bath or sitting on your porch and drinking a cup of coffee after the kids are at school. Say those again. I want to. I want to make sure I yeah. Can. Sleep. <laughs> so sleep, stillness, uh -huh. and steps and so steps. movement. You yeah, just really movement. good. Okay, I like that a lot. I might steal that from you. Okay, <laughs> please do. Okay, thanks. 
It's not me. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. But yeah. So if we could, you were saying, I interrupted you, that if we could incorporate those into our lives. Yeah. I mean, just the research is showing more and more that, um, you know, even some of the neurology or physiology of the way our body um, craves food and desires food is um, disrupted when we are tired. So we're staying at a party, you know, holiday parties late um, during the holiday season, or you're just, your schedule's busier until you're working at home at night and you're just not getting enough sleep. That can really impact the way that you eat during the day. Totally agree. And I think you're tapping into my world, which is sort of more of the emotional component that comes with food. You know, we know that there's such a huge relationship between the gut and the brain, you know, and there's such a massive connection when it comes to the emotional piece that especially during the holidays, I encourage clients to use the the acronym HALT, you know, themselves. Are you hungry? Are you angry or anxious? Are you lonely? Are you tired? Because typically we eat for one of those four reasons. Now I add in there a fifth one and that's B for bored, you know? Yes. So I always say halt B. I haven't figured out how to uh, make that fit in quite yet. But really, I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying that there's so much of what we are, we're doing that's really emotionally charged and, and learning the difference between physical stomach hunger and mouth hunger. Yes. That mouth. I love, I love those that you hit on because I think, and a part of that reflection for mindful eating is thinking about, you know, are there relatives that you're going to see this holiday season that add to that stress or are you, do you get social anxiety when you go to a party and you're about to go to 15 holiday parties, it's going to be a anxious time, you know, or, um, you know, some, if you've lost a loved one during the year, you might, it might be loneliness that, um, heightens that. So all of that can definitely influence the way that we eat. And to piggyback on that, I think coming back to as parents, having that awareness for our kids who may not necessarily have the language to be able to articulate hey, I really miss grandma this year. This is really hard, you know? And so for us as parents to have some awareness of what's going on of, you know, truly are our kids hungry, angry or anxious, lonely? Could they be tired or bored or whatever it is? I think it helps us be able to help them through the holiday season and, and not fall into patterns that are more emotionally charged and not physically charged. Yeah, I think that's a really good word. Um yeah, part of parenting is helping children realize those emotions and providing other ways besides food behaviors um, that help uh, alleviate those anxious or stressful times. Um, I know in our family, we just, when we're really stressed, we get the tennis ball and take the golden retriever out in the front yard. <laughs> Just be the fresh air and the sunshine and the dog. Yes. (laughs) That that is the thing that helps us kind of diffuse any arguments or, you know, homework, conversations about homework that are stressful. So, yeah, finding those other practices um, that really help us talk about our feelings and 
um, find healthy ways to deal with our feelings. So let me ask you this. And I know I'm about to talk about something that I know a little bit about, but I don't know a ton about. All right. But I do know that certain craving, like certain foods produce certain kind of cravings for us, you know, that there's, there's a reason why we binge on ice cream and not broccoli, right? Yeah. Can you help us understand that, especially when it comes to like holiday food? What do some of these typical holiday foods, what are they doing for us or what are they doing to us? Hey there, I'm Anna Mead Harris, and along with Rooted's Chairman Cameron Cole, I host the Rooted Parent Podcast. We feature conversations that equip parents to understand the teenagers they love and to build a grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated family. We're often joined by seasoned parenting experts who provide invaluable practical advice. Voices such as Jasmine and Philip Holmes, Paul David Tripp, Tish Harrison-Warren, and John and Susan Yates. You can find the Rooted Parent Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts or by visiting rootedministry.com. I hope you'll give us a listen. But for now, back to our show from the Rooted Family of Podcasts. So let me ask you this. And I know I'm about to talk about something that I know a little bit about, but I don't know a ton about, all right? But I do know that certain craving, like certain foods produce certain kind of cravings for us, you know, that there's, there's a reason why we binge on ice cream and not broccoli, right? Yeah. Can you help us understand that, especially when it comes to like holiday food, what do some of these typical holiday foods, what are they doing for us or what are they doing to us? Yeah. So, I mean, basically um, the research has shown that foods that stimulate the reward center of our brain. So, and these are usually like sugary foods, salty foods, fatty foods, or all three, we call them hyper palatable. (laughs) So they taste really good. They go down really easily. They're really fun to eat. Um, And you get a dopamine response. So your brain is saying, this is really good. Yeah. (laughs) And so when that happens over and over again, it begins to affect our food choices and our food behaviors. Um, And so, and then the research has shown even further that when we have a consistent diet of these types of foods, um, then those normal appetite hormones that tell our body, hey, you really are hungry. It's time to eat. And then you eat your meal and then you have other hormones that say, oh, you know, we've eaten enough now you can stop. So those normal hormonal processes get disrupted um, when we have a consistent diet that's high in fat and high in added sugars. So and when I say fats, I'm very specific of it's not I'm not talking about like fats that are found in nuts or whole foods that provide other good nutrition. I'm saying like just those trans fats and saturated fats that are added that don't occur naturally in the food. And I think too, I love you brought in the hormone piece too. And so again, I mean, I I think I'm coming back to from a, a counseling therapy standpoint, knowing our kids well enough to know that, you know, there are gonna be other issues that will affect a child's hunger fullness scale. You know, like for instance, we know kids with ADHD have a hard time recognizing when they're hungry or when they're full. 
And so it's very common for us to be able to have an ADHD child who either doesn't get enough food and, you know, stimulant medication can definitely factor that in. Yes. Also, we have, you know, kids who will tend to to tend to sort of binge or, or overeat. And a lot of that has to do with that impulsivity. And so I think as parents helping our understanding our our child and their specific needs can help us guide them into not only what types of foods, but schedules on eating and when to when to have certain things and how to balance their diet between, you know, having those healthy fats, but then also including time for some Snickers pie because yeah. eat some Snickers pie, you know? I know. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's just part of that slowing down and reflecting is like, what are the things that my family is dealing with? So maybe it is a medication that a child's on. And so, um, or maybe, you know, we know that, uh, you know, negative emotions that we are seeing a lot of in the mental health crisis that adolescents are dealing with right now, um, really can increase those cravings. And so what we want to do is create a home environment that is a really safe space for children. And so for one family, that might mean not buying certain foods. And and so that the child doesn't have to make the decision. You, as the parent, have made the decision for the child um, knowing that they're going to have plenty of other opportunities to eat some of those foods. It's not like you're saying, oh, you can't have those foods. Right. We're just saying... Let's make our home a place where we don't have to have that battle. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I know you well enough to know that there are kind of two areas that you camp out. And I would love for you to touch on these. And I think those two areas are health and hospitality. So would you mind kind of diving in? And for our listeners, what do you mean by health and what do you mean by hospitality? Kind of set that up for us. Yeah, sure. So first of all, the food conversations I try to have with my children are never about body size and it's never about dieting. Yes. So um, anytime, you know, we all just like we again, we live in a culture where there are foods, processed foods and easy snack foods and sugar sweetened beverages that are just at every corner, every activity. And so when I just start to see that like, oh, we've been eating a ton of that kind of food and we have not eaten a lot of plant foods, which science tells us that plant foods are actually better for our bodies. So health, um, it's better for our brains. We function better in school when we're eating mostly plant foods, but it's also the health of like the environment. You know, one of our jobs as Christians is to steward the creation that, that God has given us. And so that is other people. Um, so just globally, like how is food being pre- prepared in a way or produced and harvested in a way that is healthy for uh, other people, for the land, for the animals, for the water. Um, so when I'm talking about health, I'm always trying to get my kids to think about function of their bodies and the health of God's creation. That's really good. I like how you tied that in. That's really, really good. Yeah. What does that mean for like at meals? What does that mean for between meals? What about after meals? Like what exactly... Can you go into that a little bit more? 
Yeah. So, you know, the health is good in the short term, but it's also really good for the long term. But we know that kids don't think about really short term or long term. Yes. And so the conversations or the environment that you're that we're creating in homes. Um, so between meals, I'm always trying to nudge my kids towards more fruits and vegetables. So we just have like a huge plate of fruits um, just on the kitchen counter. And so those are like anytime foods, you know, like Cookie Monster says that cookies are sometimes foods. Well, fruits and vegetables are just anytime food. Like, don't yeah. ask me, you can, if you want a piece of fruit, if, you know, I try, I get vegetables and then I chop them up. So they're just easy. You just have to open a container in the refrigerator, grab them, go. Yeah. Um, so I'm always trying to just nudge my family towards healthier choices. Um, and then at meals, um, just again, part of that being mindful is, you know, and this is not a perfect, we all have busy schedules. Yeah, <laughs> I you, get it. Yeah, that's one of the benefits of family meals is like when we sit down at a table and eat from a plate, <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, we laugh about that, but so much of our eating and our culture is like on the go and mindlessly. So we're just saying slow down enough to sit down, um, put the food on the plate and, and talk about it if you want to (laughs) enjoy it together too. I mean, Um, to me again, I'm going to kind of come back to the emotional component of that, of the importance of family meals I mean, yeah. we, and I get it. I have two kids. They play every sport and we're always on the go. And it's honestly at the end of the day. And my kids are like, can I please, can we just watch a nailed it instead of actually sitting at the table and watch I love that show. Yeah, me too. But it's so much easier to be like, yes, I don't care. I'm just tired and done. But there's so I mean, you talk about research. There's so much research that goes into the healthfulness of a family meal of, of having a family table and, you know, going through what are your, your highs or lows, or yeah. I have a friend who calls them happy crappies yes. happy and crappy for the, you know, like, and, and being able to engage. And, and to me, that's how God designed food was to be, was to be consumed in community, you know, yes. anything that we have that's hidden or in the dark or in the secret. I think that that's where, the sickness comes in, you know, I mean, I think that's such a a biblical piece of, you know, sin is dark and it's hidden. And so anytime there's a food that we feel like we have to hide, that's a red flag. Whereas food at the family table, we're all enjoying it. It's all shared. And and it's, it's a community thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a worshipful thing. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just, and then after the meal, um, you know, the temptation is that there's leftover food is just to like, go get it, (laughs) eat it immediately. And so sometimes we'll just like have a family devotion or we'll take a walk or, um, you know, just giving your brain and your stomach time to kind of communicate with each other Mm -hmm. and say, am I full? And we have a middle school son and oftentimes he is not full. And he really needs something else. I mean, he is on the climbing team and, you know, he's really active. But, you know, then we have a six-year-old who's watching him eat a lot of food and she thinks she is still hungry. But really after, you know, we've talked a little bit or done have an activity, she realizes 
she or she just gets distracted. She really didn't need the extra food. <laughs> yes, yes, great. So I think just always keeping in mind like the bigger picture, like instead of stressing about a particular meal or a birthday party. My daughter's birthday was yesterday and she came home bragging that she had had a donut and a blueberry muffin. And I think the lunchroom staff gave her a cookie and then we had cupcakes. Wow. And and I just was like, that's so fun. Like you have so many people that care for you and we're thinking about your birthday. And, um, and so just not stressing over one meal or day, but kind of just helping our kids to always think about like, what is the bigger picture? (laughs) I love Um, that. Yeah. So when she asked for a second, you know, a fifth dessert for the day, I was like, reminded her about like, oh, remember <laughs> that cookie you got and that dinner you got? <laughs> like, that probably good. okay. Now you probably right. don't need another cookie. Right. And exactly. she's like, yeah. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. That's funny. Well, and I think like kind of what you're saying, I mean, truly, it also goes back to you feel better when you eat better, you know? Yeah. I mean, After after I have eaten a cookie and a cake and, you know, all of those things, I feel bleh, you know? Oh, right. I know. And, and I, so I really. one of the gifts of aging. I know. (laughs) Our bodies do not, they tell us much quicker. Exactly. (laughs) That's so funny. Well, okay. So that was sort of the health perspective. Talk to me about your hospitality mentality. Yeah. So I just am always wanting to try to give my children. And I just want to say, like, I don't do all of this that well. So I'm really quick to anger and quick to speak. And I get it. You know, I'm often having to reflect on my own words and behavior with my children. But in general, yes, my, one of my ideals is that my children would have a spirit of gratitude about food. And so, and especially about food that they might normally complain about or want to refuse. And so we kind of talk about commenting about food, which they should have the freedom to do versus complaining about food. So, um, so maybe it's like the texture of the broccoli, you know, my, my daughter might be eating broccoli and she's like, Oh, this is mushy, you know? And I'm like, it is mushy because I steamed it. And sometimes when you steam broccoli, it gets mushy, but you know, if you could roast, if we roasted it, it would taste different Uh and it might be more crunchy. And so, so we can have that conversation, but I, she can't say, Oh, this broccoli is gross. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, We all get that. I mean, every mom out there has worked hard on a meal. That's right. Yeah. It's it's so defeating. It's so defeating. (laughs) And the goal really is that children would appreciate the way that other families or cultures might prepare food and that they could go into somebody else's house or, you know, travel to a different country and be kind, (laughs) you know, about the food that somebody has taken the time and energy to prepare and serve them. Well, and I think that that's especially true when we talk about food at the holidays, because yes, because you're eating other people's food. I mean, it really is. And I think you're absolutely right. And at least for our family, having the conversation ahead of time of, hey, guys, you may have stuff that you're not used to. Let me prepare you for it. So you're not caught off guard. But here's the plan. Here's how we're going to act. You're going to try it. You're going to say thank you. 
Yeah. If you don't want something, our language is thank you, but I don't care for it or I don't care for any, you know, as opposed to, oh my God, this is so gross. <laughs> yes. You know, that's what. Yeah. And I think the more we practice that just every day, that's just going to be their natural reaction when they get in that situation in somebody else's house. And yes. I think too, just, um, I love that you said that they can say no, thank you. Yeah. Um, because I think food pushers are like a real struggle in the holidays. Oh my gosh, and- that's a great way to put it. <laughs> food pushers. Yeah. I mean, I think I just want children, especially to know that they can say no, thank you. And that they are not responsible for making somebody else feel good about themselves because they clean their plate or yes. ate all their food. Or, you know, my favorite is when somebody's like, giving you all this food to go to take home because they don't and they say I don't I can't keep this in my house you take right. it to your house. right like we don't need Why it would I want it if you don't want it <laughs> um right. so yeah that anyway it can be well I think, I think giving our kids the the ability to say yes and no but I think about also giving parents permission to say yes or no to food too. What do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, I think, yes. I mean, I think, I think families or parents should be able to say, should feel the freedom and have the wisdom and discernment to say yes to treats or certain foods and to say no to other foods, because the reality is our children's brains, we know this from studies. I mean, they are affected by 30 minute ads, (laughs) On, um, you know, on the TV, they're affected by they've done the research on food advertisements that show up on social media accounts. And um, our children are are just overexposed. These companies have billions of dollars and they market to kids in schools and on educational websites and all, and they I always tell my middle schooler now, I'm like, these companies don't care about your health and they want your money. Yes. <laughs> and so our job as parents, I mean, we put limits on other things that they do, like screen time. We have bedtimes. We, you know, right. we're just helping them figure out these sort of well-being habits that are good for just our bodies in general. And part of that is helping them to have limits on food because nobody else in the culture is giving them limits on food. No, it's just kind of, it's kind of like the sex conversation. You know, there's no limits on sex in our culture. There's no limits on food. That is such a great, you can cut that out if you need to. No, we're girl, we're keeping that in because I totally agree with that. And I think it's a, something that I hadn't thought about in the context of food. I mean, because I do a lot of body image eating disorder, I see the, the advertisements of, you know, look a certain way, act a certain way, feel a certain way, that kind of thing. But I hadn't thought about it in terms of food, but you're absolutely right. Just the, they're food pushers in the media all over the place too, you know? Yeah. And they don't care about health or hospitality. They really, uh-huh. their, their job is to make money. <laughs> yes. And so it's our job as parents to say, And often that can look like for, especially with older kids, I mean, with younger kids, you can really control the environment. 
with older kids, that's not the goal. You're not trying to control your hat. You're trying to give them tools to make good decisions. Mm-hmm. And so for, you know, my middle schooler, I mean, he joke, we joke that I don't ever buy sodas. I'm just never going to buy sodas. Uh-huh. I have too much data that shows uh-huh. that sodas are not good for anyone. Mm-hmm. And so, but I'm all, I know that he's a teen, you know, they, they're good. They taste good. Yes. And so I say, you know, I'm not going to spend my food dollars. We only have so many food dollars and right. I am going to spend more. I'm going to spend our food dollars on fruits and vegetables and meats and whole foods that have good nutrition. If you want to take your money <laughs> and buy a soda, that's fine. Yes. That's a great way to handle it. You're not saying I want him to experience the cost. <laughs> yeah. That's a great way to put it. Because there is a cost, you know, and and so I think we can help our children feel that cost. Um, And going back to when our children like are tempted to complain or refuse a food, you know, just talking about like how the the farmers that grew the food Mm -hmm. and the workers that harvested the food and the truckers Mm -hmm. and the grocers who helped get it to our community and in our grocery stores and just helping again them slow down and see the big picture of mm-hmm. the cost of food. Um, mom and dad work hard and we spent money and we spent time cooking it and just being helping them slow down to show gratitude. I think just is a good, it's a, it's a kindness and yeah, and that's how we want our, our children to talk about food. That is awesome. I really, really like that. And I like that it's a dialogue and a conversation. You know, I think it's easy for us to say, you know, eat your broccoli because I said so. Yeah. You know, and we don't go into the, because it takes energy and effort to go into having a conversation about it. But I think you're right. You really raise awareness of, oh, I hadn't thought about the people who grew the food for me or, you know, those I just think that's great. It's a great idea. And there's some really cool books that talk about different cultures and the way they eat and the way they grow their food. And, um, and, you know, some, I would say the most of the ones we have in our house are directed towards young children. So, but my children have grown up, you know, if they're like, oh, that fits gross. I'm like, let's go see where it's, you know, who eats this food? This is really cool. I will, I will get those book names from Yeah. And we'll add them to our show notes. So listeners check the show notes and we'll have the the names of those books because that's a great idea. That's great. I would love to share. And we also have some devotions that are science-based and they talk a lot about the body and foods and plants. And I just think that's, again, helping children see the big picture and just the big God that we worship and yeah. all the creative activity that has gone into creating us and to creating the world that he's given us. Well, I know that we're, we're running out of time, but I wonder if you have any final thoughts or any final tips that you would like to share or could share with us. Yeah. I always kind of with holidays, especially when your schedule is really busy and you're um, kind of in one of those moments of like, Oh, I'm just not, I know I'm not eating well because I don't feel well. (laughs) Um, And so I use the term calibrate with Christ or recalibrate with Christ through Mm -hmm. the holidays and just going back to 
you know, thinking about this specific holiday and really what is, what is the full meaning behind it? Um, like Thanksgiving, you know, of course you think of like gratitude and, um, there's so much research on how gratitude and thinking about the things that we're grateful for can change our mindset. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then right from Thanksgiving, you get into Advent and such a season of like hope. Um, and so we talk about a lot as Christians, the already, but not yet. And, yeah, <laughs> um, and so just thinking about some of just the hope that we have in Christ, And then with Christmas, probably my favorite Bible verse is um, for unto us, a son is given unto us, a child is born, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Um, I think anyone who's struggling with food issues, um, you know, we need a wonderful counselor and um, we need a mighty God (laughs) to parent (laughs) about food. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Um, if you're struggling with food insecurity or food access issues, you need um, that everlasting father who provides for us. And, um, you know, talking, going back to those relatives that you might have a hard time dealing with or social anxiety at a party, you really do need a prince of peace. And so just being reminded. The other thing I like to remind people too, is that um, some of the best research on health, um, really there's like, it's called the blue zones research. And if you spend any time at all with me, I'll talk about blue zones, but I'll just say there's nine life lessons among the longest, healthiest living people in the world. Hmm. And only three of those are food related. (laughs) So food, if you're struggling with food, it doesn't mean that's your whole, that doesn't define your whole life. You know, there's other lessons. And in fact, um, the research really shows that prayer and um, going to church, I mean, for their research, it was any religious practice at least four times a month Mm -hmm. um, really added years to your life. So there's other well-being is not just about food choices. So holidays don't have to just be about food, you know? Correct. And yes. I think what you're saying is broadening that that perspective to recognize that there's so much more depth than just I'm showing up to Thanksgiving for the turkey. Exactly. So, yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for being here. I just really value your time and I know that you're in between teaching. And so I know you got to get back to to your students in class, but I'm very, very grateful for you just sitting down and kind of helping us in being mindful, even in this moment of, you know, just kind of thinking through food and and getting excited for the holidays and not just, oh, here we have to go, you know? Yeah. Well, thank you too. And all that you do and the Rooted Ministry gives to families and churches. And just shameless plug, Melissa is also a writer for Rooted. So you need to check out her her articles because they are fantastic. Thank Y'all, you. thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you being here for another episode of Ask Alice. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Ask Alice with Alice Chernock. If you found this podcast helpful or encouraging, we'd appreciate your help in bringing this grace-filled gospel-centered, Bible-saturated content to others who might also benefit. 
Help us serve others by sharing this resource on social media, by leaving five-star feedback, or simply by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. For more grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated resources, be sure to visit www.rootedministry.com. As always, special thanks to High Street Hymns for the music on this podcast. This podcast is made available to you by the Rooted Ministry for educational purposes only, not to provide specific therapeutic advice. The views expressed are the personal perspectives of the author and do not represent the views of all counselors or of the counseling profession. This podcast does not create a counselor-client relationship and should not be used as a substitute for competent therapeutic counsel from a licensed professional in your state.